Hey, New Life Church, from time to time I hear about someone's character and the way they love God and the way they have integrity and then the way they lead. And then when I hear them speak, if it's all coming together as upper bracketed skill set, and then I sense the anointing of the Lord on them, I attempt to try to get them here. So our youth conference that has happened all weekend has brought in a young man named Tim Timberlake, and you gonna like him a lot. So what I've done is I've asked him to stick around and speak to older people like you. You're gonna like him. Uh, he's got a little bit of fire, more than me, so don't forgive his fire, just go with it. Enjoy it. And I think that you're gonna be ministered to today. He's deep, he knows the word, he knows Christ. Let's go for it. Please give a hand to my friend, Tim Timberlake. Good morning, family. How's everyone doing this morning? First and foremost, I love this church and I love your pastors, Pastor Rick and Michelle Bizet. There's very few people you can call on the phone and you can feel their smile. I mean, every time I call Pastor, I can just tell he's smiling. Every time I see him, he's smiling. He has this unique laugh. <laughs> and it just makes you laugh because he's laughing. That's the type of people that you want to be around, and that's the type of people that we are fortunate to have in our lives. And so one time, can we put our hands together for your pastors, Pastor Rick and Michelle? I'm honored and privileged to share with you for a moment this morning. I'm coming from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, a church there called Celebration Church. Me and my wife, uh, the lead pastors there in Jacksonville and North Carolina. And it's an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. And so I just want to share with you for a moment uh, from a thought that I have. And uh, our landing scripture will be Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24. We're going to begin there. I'm going to pray. Uh, and then we're going to hop right into it. Is that all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this great state across all locations here at New Life. And God, we give you the glory, honor, and praise for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 says, Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, Yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes or conies are creatures of little power. They are feeble, yet they make their home in the crags or the rocks. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. The first time I read this passage of scripture, I looked at it and I was like, God, what in the world? Does this have to do with anything? Why is this even in the Bible? This is talking about things uh, that are small, things that are weak, things that are feeble, things that hide, uh, locusts, lizards. What does this have to do with anything? And he said, read it again. So I read it again, and I was in the same place that I was in the first time. I said, okay, I've read it two times. He said, read it again, and the more I began to read it, the more it began to unpack itself for me. And if you're like me, I love the animal planet. I love animal planet. I love Discovery Channel. I consider myself a stay-at-home zoologist. I, I, 
I, I love to watch it and listen to the narrator unpack a story. If, you, if you've ever watched Animal Planet and they're talking about lions or tigers or big cats, the narrator always has the most incredible voice. It's always deep. It's always foreign. <laughs> it's always anointed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm listening to God. And they always give cats a name. Have you ever noticed that? Daniel <laughs> is roaming through the thick brush. He's looking for something that he can eat. He squats down. He lays in the sand and he readies himself to pounce. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. What in the world? I didn't even know lions had names. Who's naming these lions? <laughs> Daniel is about to get his grub on on an antelope. This antelope don't even know what's going on. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and then it starts to make sense. If, if God was going to use an animal as an attribute, surely he would use a lion. The lion is known as the king of the jungle. He is the king of the jungle. I mean, everybody know if I was to say Simba and Mufasa, we would respond what? The lion king. Because the lion is the king of the jungle. But, but God does not mention a lion in Proverbs. He doesn't mention anything about a lion. I said, surely, okay, I'm going to find an eagle in here. Find an eagle. I remember going to Alaska, and I was walking on this trail by the river, and I saw a shadow come over me that looked like it was from Jurassic Park. <laughs> I thought to myself, what in the world is this creature? I look up, it's a bald eagle. Scientists say that bald eagles can have a wingspan up to 14 feet. Their head can get the size of a human head. Their talents can get the size of a grown man's hand. Their nest can get as big as a flatbed pickup truck. An eagle is not something you want to mess with. But an eagle can also see two miles above and beneath water. So I thought, surely God is going to have this in the scripture because the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. If, if ever there was a great attribute about the Lord's eyes, he would use an eagle. But there is no eagle. So there's no lion. There's no eagle. I thought, surely he's going to use an elephant. <laughs> the elephant never forgets. The elephant is huge. And the elephant knows how to throw its weight around. If ever there was a great attribute about God, he never forgets, and God loves to throw his weight around. If ever there was an attribute that goes with God, it would be the elephant because God is a big God. How many of you can agree with that? But we don't find the elephant in this particular scripture. I said, okay, God, there's no lion, there's no eagle, there's no elephant. Surely there's a grizzly bear. Surely there's a Kodiak grizzly bear. I have seen a grizzly bear in Alaska. It is nothing you want to be in the woods with alone. Trust me on this. The hand of a grizzly bear can get up to 24 inches. That's bigger than a rim. I don't want to be in the woods with nothing that got a hand bigger than a rim. And I'm sitting here looking at the scripture. God, there's no lion. God, there's no eagle. God, there's no elephant. Surely there's a grizzly bear because the hand of the Lord is big and there's none of that. But the thing that God does point out to us is all four of these things is wise. 
And I stopped and I took notice of that because if God is saying these four little things are wise, then maybe I need to pay attention to these four little things. And then it dawned on me, this did not meet my expectations. And this is the thing that I want us to realize this morning. God does not live up to our expectations, but he always lives up to his word. And if God meets your expectations, then he can't exceed them. See, sometimes we limit God to our thoughts and our ideas and our dreams and our vision when, in fact, God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I think differently than you think, so I'll use something in Scripture that you think is small, that you think is minuscule, that you think has no value to give value to something that I want you to take notice of. So the first thing that I want us to take notice of today is the ant. The ant. The AV team has a picture I want them to throw up there about the ant. Look at this ant. This ant is carrying something that's bigger than it is. And the scripture says in Proverbs that the ant begins to prepare in the winter time, in the summertime for the winter. So the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes today that the ant teaches us is prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. You have to be preparing yourself in this season for what you can't see that you believe in God for in your next season. Because if you're not preparing, you'll get to the place where you're supposed to be prepared and have no idea what you're supposed to be doing because you did not prepare in the season God called you to prepare. Let me help you out with this nugget. Preparation is never lost time. Preparation is never lost time. You can't be ready when you have not prepared to be ready. And you can't get ready in the season that you're called to be ready in. You got to be ready when you're supposed to be ready and not find yourself preparing in a season that God has called you to be ready in. The ant shows us how to prepare before God ushers us into the new season. The other thing about the ant that's pretty unique, it doesn't mind Carrying something that's bigger than itself. And have you ever noticed in life, God only calls you to do things that's bigger than you? Have you ever noticed in life, he only calls you into impossible seasons and into impossible situations because he always wants you to rely on him to help you carry whatever it is that he's called you to carry out in this life? Every single thing that God calls you to carry is always going to be bigger than you. And the ant shows us that it doesn't matter how crazy it looks, if God called you to carry it, he'll give you the strength to get it from point A to point B. Prepare yourself. In this season, you got to be prepared and store up things in this season for the season that is to come. The other thing that I love about the ant is the ant is preparing because it believes that it's going to be around in the next season. It has faith. The ant has faith to believe no matter what enemy is outside of this ant hole, it's not going to wipe me out. I got food stored up for me and my family. We good. When winter comes, everything we need is right here. The ant has faith to believe that we're going to be around for a while. He's not worried about what's happened to him in its past. He's not worried about what did not happen, what, what did happen. All he is doing is preparing himself for this season and the next. Can I help you out this morning? You can't be worried about who think what about you. 
You need to be so laser focused on preparation that what other people think about you don't matter. That ant is not concerned of how crazy he looks carrying what it is that he's carrying. He is focused on preparing for himself and his family. And if we can get out of thinking what other people think about us and our soul focus is preparing what God has in store for us, then we can start to walk into the things that God has prepared for us. Prepare yourself. The second thing that we can notice, second animal, is something that I had to do a little research on. It's called a coney. The coney is an interesting creature because the coney is a little bit like a rabbit. It's a little bit like a mole. It's a weird little creature. The Bible says that the coney is feeble. We got that picture of the coney. Let's throw it up there so we can... It looks all soft and cuddly, and it looks like it wants to just be your friend, doesn't it? But the coney, if you look at it, is it utilizes the rock as a hiding mechanism because it is feeble. That word feeble means it's weak in its own power. I want you to get this. It utilizes the rock to cover it. Now, we're in Little Rock, but there's something called a big rock that we need to utilize to cover us because we are weak. See, there's something that feeble people understand and is they don't have the power to make it happen in their own power. Weak people worship different. Weak people understand, I didn't wake myself up this morning. Weak people understand, I don't put myself to sleep at night. Weak people understand, I don't put breath in my lungs. Weak people understand if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where in the world would I be? The thing that God is trying to teach us about the coney is the coney postures itself. Number two, posture yourself. In order to get the most out of this life, you have to understand the posture of worship. See, the coney understands my life is more significant when I hide myself in the rock. The enemies can't get to me when I hide myself in the rock. The adversaries can't get to me when I hide myself in the rock. The weapons that are formed against me cannot get to me when I hide myself in the rock. You have to make a daily habit of hiding yourself in the rock because it's the rock that covers you. It's the rock that keeps you. It's the rock that protects you. It's the rock that saves you. When you hide yourself in the rock, he says, I'll cover you. But when you hide yourself in your own ability and in your own power, that's fleeting. The coney understands my back legs are weak. I can't fight off anything. I don't got no claws. I don't got no big teeth. I am something like a rat. (laughs) He understands his strengths. He understands his weakness. He understands I don't got no weapons. I'm not big. I'm not strong. I'm not even fast. If you're not going to be big and strong, at least be fast enough to get away from whatever's chasing you. He understands I'm not even fast. So the best thing that I can do is be a professional hider. (laughs) I got to know how to hide. And I think there's revelation in that for us because some of us think we're big. Some of us think we're fast. Some of us think we're strong. And so we never take cover. And we wonder why we're getting attacked. And 
why so many things are coming at us. It seems like we're being drained every single day. You ever wake up tired? You ever just wake up in the morning? You're like, whoa, that was work sleeping last night. <laughs> oh, my God, I feel like I was at work all night long. And this is what I've come to learn. There's a difference between sleep and rest. When you hide yourself in the rock, he gives you rest. What am I saying? You have to make it a daily habit to find yourself hiding in the rock, worshiping Jesus Christ, not for what he can do, but just for who he is. I was sharing with our young people uh, yesterday that worship is the only thing that God can't do. Have you ever think about that? Worship is the one thing that God can't do. And so he created you. He created the heavens and the earth. He separated light from darkness. He separated the earth from the sea. He said, all things are good. I, I have created all things, but worship is the one thing that God can't do. This is why. Because worship implies that there's something higher than you. And God understands there's nothing higher than me. There is nothing higher than God. So God created you to worship him. He did not create you to worship him because he needs it. He created you to worship him because you need it. When we worship, it provides a covering for us. When we worship, it provides a protection for us. When we worship, it reconfigures our thought process and our focus and allows us to know there's something higher than me and his name is Jesus. And no matter what the situation is, no matter what the enemy is screaming, no matter what the circumstance is saying, there's a God that's higher than it, so I must lift him up. David says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We can't make God bigger in the heavens, by worship. We can't make God bigger than the earth by worship. He is as big as God is. But when we magnify the Lord through worship, guess what happens? He gets bigger in us. He says, where you are weak, that's where I'm strong. Where you are poor, that's where I'm rich. And he says, I'm willing to make a great exchange for you if you only acknowledge your weakness. It's impossible to acknowledge your weakness when you're not hiding in the rock. When you think you're strong, that's when you're actually weak. When you think you got all your stuff together, that's when you're actually weak. When you think, man, I did all this on my own. I created all this on my own. I did all this in my own power. That's when you're actually weak. Guess what? You did not make yourself, so you can't fix yourself. I love fishing. I absolutely love fishing. I consider myself to be a fisherman. I've never caught a fish. <laughs> that was already clean, deep fried, <laughs> ready to be eaten. Never. I would love to. It takes the work out of it for me. It's easy for me to catch fish. I don't want to lay that fish down and clean it. Never caught a fish that was already clean, seasoned to perfection. Comes out of the water, deep fried, breaded, just the way I like it. Now, every fish that I catch, I got to clean it. But that fish can't clean itself. It's amazing, though, how we think we can fix ourselves. And we didn't catch ourselves. On the back of every piece of technology that you get, when you look at the box, it says there is a manufacturer's guarantee. 
especially if you pay a pretty, pretty penny for it, it gives you a window of time that you can return whatever it is that you purchase if something was to happen to it. I was in the Apple store the other day. My Apple watch broke. They said, do you have Apple Care? I said, what in the world do I need Apple Care for for a pair of headphones? They said, in case it breaks. I said, well, tell me everything that's covered under this care. They said, if you step on it, we'll replace it. They said, if it falls in water, we'll replace it. They said, if it gets damaged, we'll replace it. I said, well, how much is this Apple Care? They told me, I said, I might as well just buy a brand new pair of headphones. <laughs> they said, but the benefit of having this is that if something was to happen to it, you could bring it back to us and we'll either fix it or replace it for you. And the thing that's confusing about life is sometimes we think we can fix ourselves. When in fact there's someone higher than us that made us, that knows us better than we know ourselves. But if we don't return to him, if we don't hide in him, guess what we start to create in our own minds? We start to create the thought pattern and process that we can work this thing out in our own power. You didn't make yourself, so you can't fix yourself. Feeble folks understand that if I don't hide in the rock, the enemy is going to swoop in and take advantage of an opportunity. The Coney teaches us to posture ourselves. Number three, the locust. This is an interesting one to me. This one came out of nowhere. I'm not going to lie to you. I was on track when God said the ant. I learned something about the coney. And then he says the locust. I was like, okay, what in the world does the locust have to do with anything? And then the scripture says something super unique and super important for us to look at. It says that the locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. That word bands means unity. The locusts understand that we can do more together than we could ever do apart. One of the locusts' strongest attributes is their ability to pull back so that they can propel forward. So if you're taking notes in here today, I want you to write down point number three. The locust teaches us how to propel ourselves. So we have prepare, we have posture, then we have propel. See, the enemy would have you believe that you're supposed to stay stuck exactly where you are. Even if you're successful, the enemy would have you believe this is as good as it gets. You don't have to pursue any further. You don't have to do anything more. The enemy wants you to stay fixed. He wants you to stay positioned. Guess what? Some of you have gotten to the place where you feel comfortable exactly where you are, but God always calls you to more. And so the locust teaches us to prepare ourselves. I was talking to Pastor Tanner and Seth yesterday. I said, do you know one of the greatest risk God could ever take on us is to give us success because nothing tests our faithfulness like success does whenever you get successful at something you lower your guards you stop pursuing it as heavily as you once did and you settle but in every season God calls you to prepare yourself for the more that he has for you 
So the ant teaches us to prepare, the coney teaches us to posture, and the locust teaches us to propel. But the thing that makes the locust so unique is it understands how to propel itself in unity with each other. There's something that is a benefit and a blessing and understanding the family and the friends that God has positioned in your life and how you're better together and you're stronger together than you could ever be apart. You may run faster by yourself, but you will run more successful when you propel together. The ant teaches us to prepare. The coney teaches us to posture. The locust teaches us to propel. Then there's the lizard. We got a picture of that lizard. Let's look at it. Look at this thing. I want you to notice something about this lizard because everything but the tail is the same color. But the tail is gray, which is an indicator to me that at some point, this lizard has lost its tail. Lost its tail. But the unique thing is this lizard is still alive. Looks pretty happy to me. Looks like he's got a pretty good position on whatever it is he's on. He's looking for something. His eyes are bright. If you even look hard enough, he's got a little smile on his face. <laughs> but this lizard understood, in order for me to advance, I got to let some things go. I got to let some things go. In order for you to get the most out of this year, 2020, you got to bring yourself to the understanding and knowing, I got to let some things go. How many of you got some things on your mind that you know you've been holding on to for too long? You got some people in your life that you've been trying to make work out in relationships and, and you know if I'm going to be who it is God has called me to be, I got to let some things go. I got to let some things go. I was talking to somebody one time and they said, Pastor, you know what? It's just time for me to cut some people off. I'm just going to cut them off. I, I don't want them in my life no more. I'm going to cut them off. I said, listen, you don't got to cut them off. I said, just grow. They'll fall off. And when you bring yourself to the place where you are growing in the things of God, everything and everyone that's not growing with you, guess what happens? They fall off. The lizard teaches us that we have to let some things Go. How many of you got some things you got to let go in your life? How many of you got some things you've been holding on to for too long that you know I got to leave it behind? I can't move forward with this thing in my life. I got to let it go. But the thing that's also unique about the lizard that I love is a lizard has to lay out in the sun because it is cold-blooded. And in its own power, it can't regulate its body temperature. And so it rests in the sun. The lizard understands that if I don't get before the sun, I'm not going to make it. Lizard understands in my own power, I can't regulate my body temperature, so I have to lay before the sun so that he can work out of me what it is that I need worked out of me because I'm a cold individual in my own power. And I think the lizard can teach us 
that if we don't get before the son, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, and allow him to regulate our life and allow him to regulate our circumstance and allow him to regulate our situation, we won't make it. We won't make it. And so today it's my prayer that we prepare ourselves. It's, it's my prayer that we posture ourselves. It's our, my prayer that we position ourselves and propel ourselves. But it's also my prayer that we let some things go and we lay before the Son and we lay before the Son, Jesus, to regulate everything that we need regulated out of our lives and bring to balance everything that we need brought to balance so that we could be whoever it is that he's called us to be. And I just wonder, is there anyone that's under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching across other locations that understands that you need the sun to regulate you? Come on, all over this place, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's lift our hands.